I pray and hope that you are all doing well this week. I can see that you guys have braved the snowstorm and you guys are here in fellowship here. Uh, so uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you this morning or say hi, my name is Chen. Uh, my full name is Chen Zong, but you guys can just call me Chen. And I serve as a youth pastor here at First Alliance Church. And today, this morning, it is an honor and privilege to share God's word. In our time together, we will be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. So if you brought your Bibles with you today... Uh, you guys can turn there at this time. And if you don't have a Bible, if you look in front of you, there are Bibles in the pews that you can, that you can use. And if you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take that home. Uh, it is our gift to you. Uh, and I hope that in that time, as you utilize God's word, that his spirit will speak and move you and transform you from the inside out into the likeness of his son, Jesus. So we are, if you're using the Pew Bibles, we are on page 948, so you guys can turn there. So there's, a, as you guys are turning there, there's this store that I enjoy going to and uh, when I'm able to. Uh, and this store, and some of us, we may know it, this store is called Ikea. This is not a plug to go shop at Ikea, but if you're not familiar with the store, the Ikea store is a gigantic furniture store, and it has pretty much almost anything that you can find, uh, any type of design of furniture that you, can, that, that you would like, right? And one of the store's highlights is the many mock rooms that they have. So as you enter into this store, you go through this maze of, 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 of setups and room setups. And when you see these rooms, they, they, it's a way that you can look and say that, man, I hope that I can make my room or my living room, my, my, my house look like this. In this store, because it's so gigantic, as soon as you enter, they are, there are these yellow arrows. I don't think they're yellow anymore, but when I went, there were these yellow arrows that will help direct you throughout the store. But uh, the truth is, if you're like me, I'm an explorer, and there was this one time that I got lost in one of the rooms, and I thought that I was going to live there for the rest of my life. And by the way, Ikea has this really awesome uh, food court too, so I thought, I think I would, would have been fine. Um, but fortunately, um, uh, there, as I was just kind of sitting there trying to just stay calm, there was this family that came in and they were looking at stuff, so I was like, alright, I'm just gonna follow you guys. So I followed them out and I found the arrows and, it, and then I found my wife, she was just, I think she knew where I was, but she was just gonna like, now you know, don't, don't, don't wander off. So, uh, but I found my wife again, right? Um, interesting though, isn't it interesting how easy it is for us to wander from the course that is set before us? Isn't it easy when our eyes shift and we say, this is where I would rather go? I believe that God's word this morning has wisdom that we can draw from and my hope is that you find some encouragement today as well. So let's turn our attention to our text this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. And the word of God says this. 
Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Let's pray. God, my prayer is very simple this morning. Is this, is that may your word and your truth be heard. Not my wisdom, not my ideas, not my agenda, only yours. May your word penetrate our hearts today and help us stay on course. May you be glorified. Amen. So in our text, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. We draw this point today, we have this, the title of our sermon this morning is to stay on course. And we can draw wisdom from this text. So what do I mean, right? What do I mean to stay on course or staying on course? Now, I'm sure many of us, uh, all of us here, we could probably resonate uh, at, at a time in our past experiences uh, when we've been on road trips, Right? And when you're just driving and driving straight forward, and then eventually there is this temptation to kind of go, eh, what if we just take this exit off? If you're not like that, that's how I drive. So just FYI, if we're ever taking a road trip, we're probably going to exit off somewhere where we're not supposed to. At least, so there's a temptation for me that whenever I'm just driving on a very long road, I want to go like, okay, let's, let's just see where this goes and where does this take us? This temptation to exit off somewhere and uh, quote-unquote explore. There's always a chance that the reality is, is that you'll find yourself staying lost more than you're actually exploring. You see, it's similar to our walk with the Lord. There is a temptation to shift our eyes off of Jesus and to other things. But God's word here tells us to stay on course. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Some context here. Hebrews 12, verses 12 to 17, actually serves as a response to this word of exhortation from the writer. And, and as you guys, as it was noted <clears throat> last week, if you find a therefore in Scripture at the beginning of a verse or a section in Scripture, uh, take a few steps back and see why the therefore is therefore. Our section of scripture this morning actually finds its roots in chapter 11. The writer in chapter 11 compiles a short summary of Israel's heroes with a snippet of how God moved when they trusted him in the midst of their hardship, 
their trials, their tribulations, but also their victories. And from this point, the writer directs our attention to Jesus, which we find at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. And that how everything that the heroes of Israel went through was worth it in Jesus. I love what the writer says, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The writer's intention is for us to focus on Jesus and again, fix our eyes on him. Now, this concept to fix our eyes on Jesus. It's something that can be, that seems very elementary for those who have walked with Jesus for many seasons. But nonetheless, it's a great reminder for us all. If you aren't keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, maybe this morning is an invitation for you to do so. So for us to understand the weight of verses 12 to 17, as we're backtracking a bit here, let's focus on verse 11, or verses 3 to 11. And we are given these instructions in verses 3 to 11 on how to see discipline in the light of the gospel. As God disciplines us, it is a reminder that it is a sign of love, not a sign of punishment. You see, here's the thing about who God is, is that God does not want us and does not want you to stay, to stay the same place where you were at when you were 15 when you came to know the Lord than when you were at 50. God wants to do work in you. He wants us to be transformed into the likeness of his son Jesus. I love how the pastor by the, by a, a pastor by the name of John Piper, he puts it this way. God wants to do work in us so that we can do the work that God has commanded us to do. Let me, let me read that again. God wants us to do the work in us so that we can do the work that God has commanded us to do. And again, the only way that he is able to do that is through discipline. Because he loves us. Now, I want to note this, though. When God is at work within our lives, God uses scalpels. He uses chisels. He uses sandpaper. What do I mean by that? When we look at these tools, these tools aren't pleasant things to to use, especially on yourself, right? Imagine using sandpaper as a, as a wash rag. Is that it will hurt. It will make you bleed. Discipline is not always a joyful process, but it is necessary. You see, at times it's going to feel like there's a scalpel that's cutting into you. It's going to feel like a chisel that is breaking the calluses around you. It's going to feel like sandpaper being rubbed against those rough edges of who you are. As John Piper would say, continue to say, pain makes us think that God doesn't like me. Or at least that's what the flesh tells us. The flesh tells us, because I am in pain, God hates me. 
And the only remedy to this is faith. It goes back to chapter 11, right? By faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith in that, uh, if we were to take the, 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 the point of view from the, the heroes of Israel, they have faith in what God was doing. Faith in Jesus, the one that will come. The one that will come and save all, that will bring everything into perfection. So keep your eyes on him. He is our prize. He is our goal. If we are in Christ, everything that we go through is to represent him. To represent the grace, the mercy, his abundant love that we have received from him. And not only just to receive it, but to share it to the world. To share it to those around us. That is our goal. To glorify him in everything. Now, the goal is seen, right? If you can, if you can imagine this, it's like at, it's at the end of a race and you see the banner that says finish. We see the finish line. The end of the race is known to us in the sense that we know the destination of where we will be going one day. And that nothing that we experience in life, the pain, the suffering, the trials, the victories that we go through, nothing is wasted. Nothing that we do in Christ is in vain. So we take encouragement in that truth. But here's one thing, though, is that we're still here, right? Breath is still within our lungs. The race is not over for you and I. Until the Lord calls us home, if we confess that we are Christ's followers and we are still breathing, the race is not done for us. So the charge here, let us stay on course. And this is where we are at in our text this morning, uh, verses 12 to 17. So if we are to stay on course, here is one thing that we can draw from this text. The first point, to stay on course, we have to run hard. So let's look at verses 12 to 13. The writer tells us, Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Remember the therefore, right? The therefore is to remind us that Jesus is the goal. We know the goal. We know what is at the finish line. So let's get ready. The writer commands us to lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees because the race is not done for you and I. We still have this call to pursue Jesus with all of who we are. So strengthen up. Draw strength from God. You can recall those moments in gym class or during recess when you would gather your friends around together and then you would do your stretches. Okay, you're getting this on camera, but... So you do your stretches, right? You do your breathing exercises. You get ready. And then you have another friend that says, ready, set, and go. And as soon as they say go, you sprint, right? You go as fast as you can and you try to beat everyone. Now granted, 
in the context of what the writer is writing about and wants us to know that our spiritual journey is like a marathon, not a sprint, but the principles still apply. We are to be prepared, to prepare, and to be prepared to run hard for Jesus. But hear me, though. I'm not saying that you are to get into this mentality of I'll do it myself and disregard the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But there is a responsibility that we have as Christ followers to submit ourselves to the discipline of the flesh, the mind, and of the Spirit. And we're submitting those pieces of who we are to the Holy Spirit. We continue on verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of a joint, but rather be healed. What does this mean? Simply this, two words, to be ready. The writer has just encouraged us to be strong for God. Now, be ready. Be ready for what, you may ask. Be ready for the work ahead. Be ready for God to move and join him in that work. Christ follower, church, as we prepare for the next run, whatever that may be, the next season where God takes us, let us run hard, staying on course of pursuing Jesus. Now this race that we are in is not one that is to be ran alone. We are called to run this race with one another. So our next point, for us to stay on course, we have to run together. Now the truth is how tempting it can be for us to run ahead faster than others, to separate ourselves from the pack. But within our text here, it indicates that we are to stay on course together. Verse 14 says, strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We're to strive for peace with everyone as we pursue Jesus. So this verse should direct our soul to reflect and ask this very simple but very revealing question to us. Am I a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker within your community? The truth is, is that I can't answer that for you. But the Lord can, and he can reveal that to you if you ask him to. And let us note, and the reality of our world is this, is that we are broken. We are broken people. We are sinful people in need of Jesus every single day. So because of that, conflict and problems and arguments will arise. But in those moments, are you someone who fans the flame? Or are you someone who desires to seek peace among your peers by pointing to Jesus? You know, I actually scratched that. It's not someone who seeks peace, but someone who strives for peace. Again, this, this term, strive, is not one of passive 
of passiveness. Striving is this aggressive term, is that we see a problem, we see conflict, and we say we are going to be peacemakers in this. Dr. Kent Hughes comments on this pertaining to conflict. Conflict in the church begins to glorify Satan and disgraces our God. Very few things will grieve God more and impede the great race more than the conflict in the body of Christ. In fact, conflict within the church and failure to pursue peace is the most public reason so many never finish the race. Satan too often infiltrates committees and elders' homes and parsonages, paralyzing those who ought to be setting the pace for others. Hold off. Christ follower, we must chase after peace with one another. As we continue within this, within this verse, the writer will link this striving for peace with the pursuit of holiness. These two components, they're not separate from one another. They are go hand in hand. Peace and holiness. Now, if you need a definition of holiness and what that means, is it could be defined as, as this, purifying the soul. Our pursuit of holiness is our pursuit of purifying our soul. If we desire to stay on course, these are steps that we are commanded to take to run together towards peace and holiness. As we are called to run this race, in order to complete this race, we have to stay focused, right? So we know that we are to run hard. We know that we have to run with one another. But one other thing is that we have to stay focused. There are many things in our run towards Jesus that can lead us astray. Now, and I'm sure that each and every one of us in this room have a story when we strayed from the Lord, but in his gracious way, he has brought us back to him. Now, as we've been reading these first few verses, I hope that you've read them with a tone of grace and excitement, which I believe is what we should be reading it with. But now the writer, he changes the tone, if you can imagine. He changes the tone here, and he goes into a moment of caution to prepare us as we run hard and run together. His last thing, let us be alert. And these verses, we can draw three warnings that we are to heed. The first, the first thing that he calls us to be alert of is falling into gracelessness. So let's look at verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Or one can say, make sure that no one strays from God's grace. When we forget the grace of God, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we are bound to be led into a place of gracelessness meaning we forget about his grace in our lives. 
And how do we know that we are going in that, di- in that direction then, into the direction of falling into gracelessness? We enter into gracelessness in a number of ways such as this, is that if you are living in sin, that is one way that you are heading in that direction. When you don't commune with God, when you don't spend time saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? Or, or speaking, praying, uh, communing with God. That is another way. And the last way here is when we step away from the fellowship of the church. Now, if you are in a place where you know that you need help and you resonate with these things, There is hope. God is generous with his grace and is faithful to do his work as you surrender. There is hope when we commune with one another as well. So share your burdens with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Do not run this race alone. The second warning that we can draw from these verses So let's finish up verse 15. The writer continues in the letter that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. The writer's hope is that we become aware of false teachings around us. Now you're probably wondering, hey, like I'm reading the text, Pastor Chen, but there is nothing in here that talks about false teachers. Um... The only thing that we see in here is that there is this term root. You see, this term root is actually goes all the way back into the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses writes, Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Meaning this, Moses is saying, Be aware, be alert. There will be times that false teachers will come. You will hear a false gospel. You will hear these things. But keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And when you do, he is faithful. He is faithful, caring, loving. And he will keep you. Be vigilant in our run together. Our third warning is that appetite In our last two verses, 16 and 17, the mention of sexual immorality and Esau selling his birthright for a single meal sheds light on how our appetite for the world can take us off course. This mention of Esau points to the fact that he was completely earthbound. He didn't have his eyes fixed on Jesus. He didn't have his eyes fixed on the promise of how God is going to save humanity. His eyes were fixed on his next meal. As Ken Hughes would state in his commentary, all his thoughts on what he could touch, all his thoughts were on what he could touch, taste, and suck. Instant gratification was his rule of thumb. He was void of spiritual values. Quote off. Appetite. When our appetite is not for the Lord, and our appetite is for other things in the world, we can be sure that we are bound to be led off course. 
Take a moment now. Take a moment. Look to who is ever on your left. Look to whoever is on your right. You see those individuals next to you. You are responsible. Believe it or not, you have responsibilities. You are responsible to uplift that person, to help them stay on course, to help them run together, to help them run hard after Jesus. Church, if we desire to stay on course, may we be on the lookout for warnings that the writer of Hebrews states. So what does that all mean for us this morning as a church? Now, as we all know, we will probably all agree here is that we are in a season of transition. When we head towards a new destination, it is easy for us to be led astray. And for example, like the illustration I used earlier, I, I am guilty of being wonderless, meaning I love to daydream. I love to dream big. And sometimes my wife goes like, come back down. We can't do that. It's like sometimes I still think that I can jump and touch the, uh, touch the rim on a, on a basketball hoop. And my wife goes like, nah, nah, not with your ankles and not with your knees. Now, some of us, we may resonate of dreaming big for the Lord. Here's the thing that I want us to know is that I believe God has already set the call before us. And he desires us to be a church to pursue that. I'm going to step off for a second. And if you would just take a moment to look at these three words that we have over here. Just, just soak them in. Build, equip, and mobilize. This is a course that I believe that God has set before us. First Alliance Church has, have, uh, has a rich history of God building, equipping, and mobilizing people for his kingdom work. My desire is to encourage us as a church to be a church that is in pursuit of Jesus through our, through our obedience to the call upon us. Though pastors, elders, leaders will go, the call will continue to stay. The truth is this. I'm not going to be here one day. There will be a day where the Lord calls me home or calls me elsewhere. And hence, same for you. The Lord may call you home, may call you elsewhere. But the call will, for the church will remain. From the words of a dear mentor of mine, 
A call that is given to a church stays with the church, not the pastor, not the elder, not the leaders. This week, I spent probably a good amount of hours in the evenings going through the uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance archives. And I was just looking up, God, what have you done through First Alliance Church? I was able to share a few articles with our executive director, Mike Lawson. And I was asking him, texting him back and forth, do you know these people? Do you know these names? And he was like, yeah, I know every single one of them. As I was counting, did you know that First Alliance Church has sent over 30 people to the mission field? And not only have they sent people outside into the mission field, did you know that there is actually many more that God has sent into the local church? This isn't to puff us up as a church. This isn't something for us to go like, hey, check out my church. Our church is always doing this. No, our, uh, please hear me. My hope is this, is that this will help us realign our hearts together as a church. To pursue Jesus and our obedience to the call that he has placed on us. This morning, we've already witnessed one baptism today. And we're going to do one in second service. Baptisms, in a way, it's a reminder and it's a sign that God is still at work. You see, the course that he has set for First Alliance Church has not changed. Now, granted, the reality is wording might change over time. People might change over time. But the very core calling is still the same. So church, let us stay on course. Let us continue to build up one another. Let us continue to equip one another. And let us continue to run this race and be alert and say, God, how do you want to mobilize us for your kingdom work? Let us stay on course. Let's pray. God, in a world that seems to be in an, in an ever-transition, one thing that we can have confidence is this, is that you stay the same. Your grace and your love for the broken stays the same. Lord, would your prayer, what, our, our prayer this morning is this, would you help us stay on course to build one another up, to equip one another, and to also mobilize the opportunities and mobilize people for the opportunities that you have set before us for your kingdom work? Would you move in us to be a church that runs hard, that runs together, and that are alert of things that leads us astray? Lay this burden on our hearts. And Holy Spirit, fan this flame for your glory. Amen.